Hey guys, welcome back to another episode on the Deal Journey podcast. Today I've got Peter Hull speaking about his FitStop company. It's a functional fitness um, entity that's had immense growth the past year. And he started it two years ago from a shed in the back of Redlands, just near Brisbane. And he imported gym gear from China, $20,000 beautiful startup and it got going. He's a big believer in action over everything, always trying to improve and also himself. So like he went from a PT to a CEO in the space of two years and he said he did heaps of personal development. So you get to get some awesome insight of how he got to where he is today and everything that happened to him along the way. So I'm super excited to share with you guys this one and sit back, chuck the earphones in and if you're doing a workout, then you might be a bit more motivated or you might want to go check out your local FitStop because there's about 40 currently in Australia. Actually, no, sorry, there's 23, but 40 on the way by the end of the year and then it's 60 by the end of the financial year in 2020. So it is exciting times for FitStop and their rapid growth is one of the key questions that I ask because I think it's what everyone is asking. How can you grow this fast so quickly and sustain it? So it's going to be awesome to hear it and I'm super excited. So sit back, relax and uh, whack the earphones in. Without further ado, here it is. Well, welcome to the podcast, Peter. Thanks for jumping on today. Really appreciate it. Um, so I'll delve straight into it in a way that I like to start the podcast is by asking you something that not a lot of people know about you or is a little weird habit that you don't know if everyone else does mate um, this actually came out recently and I got this question asked in one of our monthly franchise days out in Melbourne yeah Um, my answer to it was that I actually have never been to a live football game oh really and it's odd because I'm obviously in the health and fitness space um, but I didn't grow up around team sport yeah. Um, and my first AFL live game was actually last Sunday. Um, went to watch Carlton versus Richmond. Yeah. Um, and it was a heap of fun. So, yeah, not a team sport guy. Um, yeah, obviously, yeah. absolutely love health and fitness and um, grew up yeah. racing motocross and, yeah, had never been to a footy game. So That's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Did you enjoy it? I loved it, yeah. It was yeah. actually raining, cold yeah. um, and terrible. I was told it wasn't the best game, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. Awesome. Um, so... Let's say around year 11, year 12, what did young Peter want to become and what type of person were you, oh, if man. you remember? <laughs> year 11 and 12, um, a long time ago now. Yeah. Um, but at that stage of my life, I wanted to be an athlete. Um, I yeah. grew up racing motorbikes. Um, okay. So I grew up racing motocross. All I wanted to do was ride my dirt bike. Um, yeah. Probably didn't really focus as I should at school. I loved sport, so I did every um, physical education class possible. So like you know, your, your standard PE, um, I think it was called rec studies and something else. So I think like three out of my seven classes that I had to do were around health and fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, um, never really gelled well at school. Um, even, um, you know, I guess down to really focusing on what I wanted to do. My sole focus purely was race dirt bikes. Um, and that was yeah. really it. So reflecting now I definitely should have focused a little bit more obviously my role now as a, as a CEO really yeah. involves uh, a lot of reporting a lot of structure and mm-hmm. for someone that uh, did English communication in grade 11 and 12 I'm um, definitely trying to make up for it now yeah and so like that mentality of like wanting to become an athlete 
and sort of not focusing on school has that like always been the case for you like just putting everything on one plan and not focusing on like plan b or plan c sort of thing i'm someone that likes um shiny things yeah. <laughs> i think they are they they call it uh um shiny titus or it's got some name around it that i, yeah. I definitely am someone that gets distracted but yeah. What I think keeps me focused and grounded is what I'm most passionate about. And that's where I go all in on something. So yes, it was motocross. Um, now it's in the health and fitness space. And through my journey, there's been different times of that passion and focus. Um, mm -hmm. you know, one of them was obviously being a PT and, and you know, transitioning my life to, to really fall in love with teaching people and really supporting. Yeah. Um, my transition now, I guess, still the same, teaching and supporting, but in, you know, in a much different environment. It's gone from... You know, being that personal trainer to now really helping support business growth and helping other PTs do what I did um, and own their own business. So for me, the, that kind of um, Northern Star is always, what am I passionate about? And um, yeah, how much more can I give? Yeah, awesome. And did your parents have a big influence on like what you wanted to become? Like, did they push you to go a certain way? Or like, what did you do after school? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I grew up racing motocross because my dad loved it. Um, yeah. He was always involved in, in some form of motorsport. Um, he also was the influence that led me to becoming a motorcycle um, apprentice. So I did my mm -hmm. four years as a motorbike mechanic and got signed off on that. Um, so I think, you know, at a very early age, they also owned their own business. So I, I guess I, I learned a lot of great life skills. Um, I learned that nothing, you know, nothing worth having came easy. Um, and again, if you were passionate about something and you were driving towards it, then it would work. But I think the, where life really changed for me was that direction from probably being influenced closely by my family to then kind of my own two feet and working out really what my purpose was in life and, and how I could give a bit more rather than kind of, you know, just following what I thought I should do. Yeah, definitely. Um, so like the next segment is all things business. Mm -hmm. So when did you first start? A business like were you young or you've always been entrepreneurial or did it sort of come of late um look rewind till i think it was grade one um yeah. i um you know I'm, I'm from the redlands um out in the bayside and okay um you know grew up on the water yeah. um was always uh out fishing or crabbing or doing that sort of stuff and mm -hmm. um and seafood was um you know is a loved uh a loved food group definitely so i was selling sand crabs um okay. in grade two i think it was three for fifteen dollars um so <laughs> taking them into school and selling them yeah. to the teachers which i guess you know reflecting back you know could you say it was entrepreneurial i'm not sure but yeah. that's um i guess again i just loved being on the water um yeah. you know fortunate enough to live on the water and um to be able to kind of cruise around in a little boat and do some crabbing and then sell them i thought that was just fun to be honest oh, definitely um yeah and then it wasn't until um i decided to go step back into that fitness space um that i really started my first business and that was as a pt yeah and did you have any like motocross businesses or anything like that um there was always like there was always a little bit of coaching so yeah. um you know the people that i was around in motocross because i was trying to i guess um, compete at a high level mm -hmm. a lot of um, you know a lot of my friends were you know coaching were trying to live the dream as a professional athlete and that stuff doesn't yeah. come cheap so yeah um, I would always help out with riding uh, rider training days coaching schools and um, and do whatever I could but again it was never about making money it was mm. about being more involved with more people yeah. um, and just learning as much as I could so yeah and do you reckon like becoming a PT 
that like sort of taught you that like to really you know build that relationship with people and um give back in a sense and like see their transformations and then them like sending you a very kind hearted felt message that you've had a positive impact on their life like Mm. did that did you value that more than any paycheck yeah so it was actually so i got into i guess studying health and fitness because i had two knee reconstructions okay um so through that phase is actually where like that was that transition in my life to be like okay well life has kind of stopped um i'm not chasing the dream to be an athlete um don't really want to work on motorbikes and it was that turning point or tipping point where you go well hey what could i do um, it was after my second one that I met some really amazing people within the health and fitness space, one being a physiotherapist who taught me absolutely everything. Still, the base principles we use now in FitStop were taught by him. Um, and I used to go to his house two, three, four times a week sometimes just to learn um, and to really focus on my rehabilitation. So, you know, it was through that process that I learned if you surround yourself by amazing people, great people, all they want to do is give. Um, and when I learned a lot and my rehabilitation got back on, you know, I guess back to where I needed to be to even ride a dirt bike again or even to run again, um, all I wanted to do was pay it forward. Um, that's why I went and studied. That's why I then started helping my mates. Um, and again, a lot of the stuff I did was for free. It yeah. was, I just wanted to give back. I wanted to learn more and I wanted to be surrounded by amazing people. So yeah. that's how it started. Definitely. And so did that surrounding of good people, did that, was that always around you? Like in that motocross area, was it? bit of a negative environment positive environment like no I think I've been very fortunate in a way that I've had a lot of of positivity in my life Mm -hmm. Um, again like not being around I guess a team sport motocross can be seen as a bit of a solo thing Um, but it's really not like some of my you know my best mates have come from riding dirt bikes Um, and it's just it's always been a, a positive environment where people will lift you up especially when you, you know when you're doing well or you need a bit more support so yeah I have been really fortunate to be around some, you know, great communities growing up. Definitely. Okay. So, fit stop. Yeah. Tell us the moment you first was. Is this the one we're in right now? Is this the founding one or? No, this is uh, number thirteen. Number thirteen. Yeah. Okay. So, can you tell us the first fit stop you ever opened and how the idea came about? Yeah. So it, it brings me back to um, to how I was training athletes and yeah. Um, at the time, I was working out of a, a studio. I was paying the rent, um, you know, doing the normal PT thing. Mm-hmm. I started to group have, uh, build out a bit of a group environment. Yeah. Um, but it was actually that uh, that studio that closed down overnight. Um, I, I turned up at five a.m. one morning. Sticker on the door: "Sorry, we've closed. All the equipment gone." Um, which again was, I guess, my next tipping point um, or turning point in my life to go, "Hey, well, I've got a couple of options here. Do I?" A, give up and you know go back to doing what I've always done um, B do I go and work somewhere else find another studio or C do I have a crack myself and I had to do a part-time go and work in another studio just so I could kind of really set out a bit of a solid plan um, or at least find a building to do it myself <laughs> yeah. um, but essentially it was um, find a find a building sign a lease and um, and start a group training um, facility and it wasn't called FitStop at the time um, you know, we were branded differently, um, but at the end of the day, we had the same formula. So the way that I was training people in that more sports performance, athletic environment was then turned into a group environment. Um, we opened in a hundred square meter tin shed, basically, out the back of Redland Bay. Um, I signed a lease without getting legal advice or instruction. <laughs> I imported the equipment from China for $20,000 and, yeah. um, and we had an opening day. It was as simple as that. I, um, you know, looking back now, like, 
I probably could have done things a little better, but at the same time, I just, I wanted a space. I wanted to start something. And yeah. um, I knew that for me, I could make a bigger impact if I did group. And that's how it, that's how it kicked off. Yeah. So like going back on that sort of action, mm. do you think action is everything? Like a lot of people do talk, you know, like I'm just going to wait until the perfect timing is, but you just summed it up there. Like there is real no perfect timing. Yeah. that come into play with you like just sort of action yeah definitely um i've always been really big for that even as we grow now as a company yeah i think you've got to take that step forward um you know it's really easy to get trapped in a world of constant view and and analyzing of everything that's happening and all the things you know that might go wrong mm-hmm. um i really try to bring it back to the what if it went right like what yeah. if i took this step and yeah sure i might stumble a little bit i'm gonna learn along the way and if I surround myself with the right people, I'm also gonna minimize that risk. And at the end of the day, I know if I'm passionate enough about something, I'm gonna make it work. Um, you know, especially, you know, all you have to do is, is view Instagram stories and you know, you'll see people that are posting about you know, reflection or you know, taking that next step or you know, following someone that's a little bit more inspirational. Yeah. I guess you know, for me, my, my biggest message is just do it. Like if you believe in it, just do it. Mm, definitely. Um, so I'm sure everyone's asking the question, how have you seen this rapid growth? Like how many fit stops have you actually, um, created this year and forecasted Mm -hmm. for the next, um, sort of six months, I guess, to the end of the year. Yeah. So, um, growth has been crazy and it's definitely not what I, what I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we went from one little location to, to kind of growing that out. And again, you know, surrounding myself with some amazing people along the way, but, um, to launch the franchise model at the start of 2017 um, and we now have 23 open and another 20 sold um, so by the end of this year we'll be sitting around the 40s um, or close to it yeah. um, and then you know by um, by the end of this financial year we're sitting around 60 locations open um, so it is it is pretty fast growth um, yeah. but what it all comes back down to is great people um, you know mm-hmm. like I said I've been really fortunate to have some great people step into my life. Um, you know, when I had that 100 square meter building in um, in Redland Bay, I signed up to a program called the Entourage. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I met someone then who mentored me through that first year and probably taught me more in that first year than I've um, even, you know, I guess learnt my whole life before that, especially around business, self-awareness, mm-hmm. um, just even self-confidence. But yeah. that's where I met Rich Bell and he's co-founder of Fitstop. Okay. Um, so, it wasn't until we really combined the mindset of what FitStop was really about as the model, the group training model that wanted to you know, inspire other fitness professionals to step in and run a great business and to really support business owners to make a bigger impact. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with my love and passion of the product, the culture, the community, and his knowledge and passion around you know, growth, development, really building scalable systems, and obviously the network that you know that comes with as well. It's yeah. it's been an amazing journey, and um, it's the people that I've been able to surround myself with, connect with, network with, but also our franchise partners. Yeah. Everyone that kind of signs that franchise agreement isn't just signing into a business. It's not a business in a box. It's that belief in you know in myself, in in why we started in the first place, mm. and the belief in them themselves that they can do more and be more. Yeah. And that's really exciting. So without the franchise partners we have, without that loyalty. Um, you know, we wouldn't be where we are today and the same as the, the structure of the business. Um, yeah, it's just, it's working well and I'm loving the journey. Yeah, awesome. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the program you're speaking about? Was that mainly like mentorship 
and like what changes did you like sort of learn from it in that sense um i think that was that was my eye opener so yeah. pre-signing up to that um again um, my wife beck um has always really supported and you know has always been that rock for me and mm -hmm. it was it was her that said hey look you probably now to need to now not go and invest in yourself to learn business yeah. i had invested in myself to to learn as much as i needed to around um you know training principles and philosophy but i was so fresh to business and you know you do need to make sure you're constantly upskilling yourself so yeah signed up to the entourage um, and did that program for a year it was sydney based i was you know flying um from brisbane down to sydney staying in backpackers because as a startup you don't have a heap of money <laughs> yeah um but again you just do whatever it takes and uh, again i met some amazing people there the entourage was a great program um yeah. i made sure that the people i was connecting with um were on the same page and shared the same values as me as well and again super lucky and um, fortunate to have met rich there um, mm -hmm. and to have that close mentorship through it but you know to have a program you know there's heaps of programs out there they're like this but to have a program that you're exposed to these amazing people i think that's the key it is yeah. it's exposing yourself to a network that is going to raise you up definitely so always trying to level up in that sort of sense for sure um so what sort of like differentiates you from like f45 because you can see that sort of like a similar model mm. well yeah like what sort of sets you aside from that i think there's a couple of things um first one being the product so what we actually deliver to our consumer to our member um, and that member experience we give so something that i've always been really passionate about is progression whether it be through you know physical training through business um, through personal and professional development mm -hmm. and that's what the fitstop product offers so um, the way that we, that we program and that we train actually gives you the flexibility and the freedom to make the workout work for you. So an example of that would be in a group environment, you'll be training with two other people, you'll be on a station for eight minutes and you might just be doing back squats and a wall sit and the other person will be supporting you through that back squat. Okay. So the program actually creates the culture and that team environment where you're not just in it for yourself, you're in it to really support each other and make sure that everyone's achieving their goals. Yeah. Um, that's how all of our programming works, whether it be our fit, fast and funct or functional. Um, it's really around making sure that it's not just about you doing a movement, it's about how the whole team works together and that obviously then in turn we create this amazing culture. Um, outside of that, it's the way that I guess we go to market and we sell our locations. I think the health and fitness space is very, very noisy um, you know, there's a, there's a gym and there's a cafe on every corner, right? Mm -hmm. But the one thing that keeps the health and fitness space very consistent for me is who is running that. Who's driving that culture? What do they believe in and what are they passionate about? That's who our franchise partner is. So they're the rock that holds everything together. They're the one that injects that passion on the daily. They're the ones that knows every single member's name as they walk in, what their goals are, how their week's been. That's why we're driving so much success so quickly purely because of that give a fuck factor. I'm not sure yeah. if we can beat that out. <laughs> but that's something that we're genuinely passionate about. So we only sell to people that are genuinely interested in making an impact. Maybe they're in the fitness industry now. Maybe they've been it for 10 years. Maybe they're wanting to step into it, but a little bit nervous about doing it themselves. Yeah. We provide that vehicle for them to step into a business, become very successful and impact a lot of lives. Okay. And um, so like through certain individuals how do you sort of pick apart like people that you want to be running these like sort of fit mm -hmm. stops do you do like a little test or is there a certain way of you going about it like how do you sort of decipher 
that person's gonna you know create a really good culture and that mm. person's gonna only be in it for six months and then give up yeah no for sure i think we um we have a very firm approval process so to give you some insight we get about 160 to 200 leads per month yeah well. now um you know my wife works in the business she's our our franchise um you know head of franchise recruitment mm-hmm. we make sure that everyone goes through the same stages and process so they get sent information obviously they probably followed us on socials they kind of get what we're about and yeah. maybe they've been into a fit stop to try it but they'll get they'll, they'll opt in on the websites um, to get the info pack. They'll receive the info, info pack, um, and then they'll book in for a call. So the first point of contact is a call with Beck, and she's going to talk through what FitStop's vision is all about. Yeah. Usually from that call, you're going to be up, you're going to know how we start to align, and it's not necessarily us, I guess, pushing people away, which is a standard kind of sales process. It's actually people buying into us more. Mm-hmm. So from there, it's it's really important that. Whoever comes through our doors or opts in as a lead, they really understand what FitStop's about, what our vision is, how we're trying to you know, make a massive impact, what the product is, and they actually believe in that, and they want to start a community for themselves. Yeah. You know, there's a number of other steps they go through um, as far as the application process, financials, obviously their experience, um, and the final stage of it is just meeting me, whether it be in person or, or via a video call, and just having a chat. I want to know what, what their journey's been why we've got to this point, why they're genuinely interested in opening a fit stop, what they're willing to do to create this amazing community and how much are they going to give to them. Um, yeah. and, and from there, it's a full steam ahead and, uh, and we help them get open. So yeah. super proud of that, um, something that we'll never dilute. And um, you know, we wanna, for me, it's all about the journey and sharing it with the right people. 100%. Um, so what does an average day look like for you? Like as the CEO mm. of FitStop, what do you do on a daily basis? Mate, we, um, life has changed very quickly. You know, this, this has been running for you know, just over two years now, two and a half years. And mm-hmm. I've gone from doing every single role in the company, um, you know, from still, you know, I still do the programming and all that sort of stuff, but um, you know, from doing the programming, teaching the trainers, doing the onboarding, selling the franchises, finding the buildings, doing the fit outs, like yeah. absolutely everything, to now being in a great position where I have an amazing team. Yeah. Um, so life for me now is purely supporting the team. Yeah, um, you know, we've got a team of 12 in head office. Um, we've got some external vendors we look after. Um, but for me, it's, you know, it's thinking about what's next. What's next within this industry? How are we making sure that our model keeps growing? Um, how do we put our franchise partners in the best possible position? And how do we make sure that our member experience is always world class? Yeah. Um, a standard day can consist anywhere from kind of 10 meetings back to back to, you know, 250 emails, um, you know, jumping in on um, different conversations to keep the business driving forward, signing mm-hmm. off on franchise applications, signing off on buildings, yeah. um, you know, meet and greets, doing some PR stuff, yeah. um, you know, flying to Melbourne because we've launched into Melbourne. So going to the footy games, <laughs> yeah, going to the footy games, um, you know, talking to our board as well, keeping, um, you know, keeping everyone really across what's happening, writing reports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's a bit of a crazy whirlwind at the moment. I absolutely love it. Yeah, awesome. Um, so the next sort of stage of the interview I do, it's all about personal development. So um, where you've gotten to today and how you did it. So yeah. the first question I like to ask is, what has been like one of your rawest moments, like where you've literally just sort of been like, this is make or break sort of thing or something that's changed you forever that had a really big impact on you? Yeah, I think um, there's definitely been a couple. Um, one was obviously um, having two knee reconstructions. 
Yeah. So that really made you know me kind of stop and reflect and understand that you know I couldn't do what I was what I was doing and life wouldn't be how I pictured it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was definitely probably my first time to to understand what that felt like. Um, moving forward from that, there's been you know there's been a number of different times even within growing the business that you kind of sit there and think like shit, what am I doing this for? Yeah. You know, like to go from a PT to then all of a sudden two locations, a franchise model, you know, ten locations. You know, there's a lot of pressure there. Um, you know, and there's times definitely that I take out for myself and yeah. just sit there and try to reflect. And um, again, I've really tried to invest in myself so that I guess mentally I get a lot stronger through the process. Mm. And also, before things get too hard, um, I really pull myself up and I guess recognize when I'm either going to get burnt out. You yeah. know, um, I guess go through those emotional kind of high and lows and and try just to give myself enough support um, yep. and just again have the right people around you. So yeah, it's, it's been kind of that transition from you know knee reconstructions, kind of sitting on the couch for nine months not knowing what your life's doing to starting a business to going through you know really tough conversations um, to you know having an immense amount of pressure on you to, to keep things moving and growing and you mm-hmm. know obviously you've got a lot of people that you impact, whether it be franchise partners, members and um, you know everyone that's employed by Fitstop. So. Yeah, it definitely gets challenging at times. For sure. And um, so what sort of fulfills you to like keep you going? Because obviously, you know, you got to know your why because, you know, motivation only lasts like 14 days. So (laughs) what what keeps you ticking? Like when moments do get really tough, you just like pull up that, you know, bigger vision or knowing why you're doing it. It's bigger than, you know, maybe a legacy you want to live on Mm. or something like that. I think for me, it's still, it, it always comes back down to that pay it forward. Um, yeah. I'm really grateful for every experience that I've had and everything that I've learned. And I see that when we get to open a new location. So when I go to opening day and I see um, one of our franchise partners who I consider a friend of mine open their own business to, you know, to have an opening where 75 to 100 people will attend and they've created their own community. They're living their dream. Mm. That's what keeps me going. And, yeah. you know, it's harder as we grow. Um, I guess I have less touch points with those people, um, especially the first 10. I was, I was so hands-on for every single opening. You know, I spent weeks and weeks with them um, up until opening and even after. You know, now as we grow on scale, you know, to give my best self and to make sure the company continues to grow, I've got to do that internally for our team so we have more touch points for more owners. Um, yeah. But I still get that, that feeling, that buzz, that, uh, that fulfillment when we open a location and I get to watch someone else live their dream. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And um, you spoke a little bit about um, uncomfortable situations. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about like some little... Um, uncomfortable situations and how you've grown from it and like built up um, a better you in a way yeah for sure I think um, you know the uncomfortable situations come from things that you're not ready for Um, so whether it be you know a tough conversation you've got to have with an employee or a business partner or a franchise partner or even a member even a friend um, it's probably because we haven't put ourselves or we haven't equipped ourselves the right way leading into that. Um, I've invested in myself, you know, myself and Beck, my wife, we, we've, um, we've done Tony Robbins, so three of the Tony Robbins yeah. courses. Um, you know, I think it's super important to get out of your comfort zone, you know, regularly. Um, that's how you grow. And, and to be able to learn from amazing people, you know, like Tony, obviously, mm. um, to think about how, you know, or to learn how to change your state, how to stop and reflect, how to journal, 
um, you know, how to practice gratitude. That's the stuff that makes life easier. You know, the, the situations we put ourselves in, we're always gonna do that. Um, you know, we're always gonna make mistakes, but I think it's how you handle that um, you know how how you react to anything that's kind of thrown at you, and then how you, like how you get through it and how you move on. So mm. um, I'm I'm big for you know my daily routine. So making sure that um, you know I'm waking up um, you know well before I'm going to train. I train every morning. That's what makes me feel good. That's what yep. kicks off my day. But you know practice my gratitude in the morning, and you know that can be whatever you want it to be. You know some days for me that's um, you know that it's an amazing sunrise and. You know, today I get to go and live my dream and I'm the one that chose this, so I'm the one that needs to fulfill it. And, you know, you just go through different stages where you, you, you know, you tweak and change your routine and your mindset to whatever it needs to be at that stage. 100%. Um, so you, you spoke a little bit about your morning routine. Mm. Um, can you tell us uh, some instances where you've not done your morning routine and how you've pulled yourself back together to not be like, oh, this day's a write-off now. <laughs> yeah. How you like can quickly like flick the switch, like I'm a CEO, I've got to like straight away be on the ball all the time yep. to sort of, you know, you might have slept through your alarm or something. Mm-hmm. What have you done to, you know, flick yourself back up? Yeah, I think, and again, it's learning through, you know, some of the stuff that Tony Robbins talks about, changing your state. So I've got a couple of things that are my go-tos. Um, one is breathing, because you can do that anywhere. Um, so if you just slow yourself down, um, even if it's for three minutes and, you, um, you focus on your breathing, so you inhale for six seconds, you hold it for six seconds, and then you exhale for six seconds. Now you can, you can change that up if you wanna do 20 seconds or 12, whatever it is, but I, I try to learn from people and then pull a principle out of that that then works for me. So for me, it's six seconds. So nice, easy, big, deep breath in, hold your breath, breathe out. If you do that three times, straight away, your, your state is gonna be changed. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple other little things that I'll do, put your hands on your hips, again, take a few deep breaths, put your hands above your head, you're gonna change your state pretty quickly. Um, one that I do pretty regularly is um, throw some music on, um, like a bit of dance music, yeah. throw a bit of music on and do a walk around the block. Yeah, okay. yeah, you get to get just out of your own head, kind of take yourself away for a second. Mm-hmm. By the time you've walked the block, I think our block's 500 meters, yeah. headphones out, straight back in and straight back into it. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, they're probably my, my couple of go-tos because it's so important that you do change that state. You do snap out of whatever funk you're in. Um, yeah. You've got to bring your best self because it's not about you, it's about everyone around you. Definitely, definitely. Um, and lastly, if you had to give any advice to any aspiring entrepreneurs out there, what would be one piece of advice you'd give them? Just do it. Yeah. Um, I think, I think there's, there's so much noise in the world and there's, there's so many opinions around, you know, what you need to do to make it successful or the expectations you put on yourself or others put on you. Um, you know, if you're passionate about something, you're gonna make it work. Uh, my number one piece of advice is just take that step forward, just do it. Um, and if you wanna ensure you're really successful, surround yourself with the right people. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself, Pete. Thank you so much for jumping on today. It's been an absolute pleasure and I'm sure someone out there has gotten something from this podcast. Nice, amazing, thanks so much, mate. No problem. How good was that, guys? Getting an awesome insight into Peter's life and how he uh, runs each day as a CEO and how he got to where he was today with heaps of personal development through Tony Robbins, like he said, and the entourage, which helped build his network up and really tried to elevate himself with his network. And he talks about how um, surrounding yourself with the right people is the key formula to um, meeting people that are just gonna elevate you and keep growing. So really valuable information from Peter. 
and I really appreciate him coming on and taking um, some time out of his very busy schedule uh, to jump on the Deal Journey podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure having him on and I'm super excited. This next episode is for all you young surfers out there females, males, or anyone who's interested in mental health. I've got Cooper Chapman coming on, pro surfer at age 14. He is an absolute champion and we're going to hear his story and the struggles and also what it's like to be a professional surfer and also trying to make a living. So really awesome, valuable chats with Cooper. Um, That will be up in the coming days. So if you did enjoy today's podcast, please take a screenshot, chuck it up on your Instagram story, tag myself and Peter Hull on Instagram. That'd be amazing. And I hope you all have an amazing day and do something today that your tomorrow self will thank.